Hello and welcome to Keep You Posted. Today is Sunday, September 26th. My name is Hannah Trav. I'm a comedian, a law student, and your host. Woo! Okay. I'm joined by my lovely friend and producer, Ross Wiseman. Hello, Ross. How you doing? I'm good. I'm sitting on the floor. Nice. How's that? It's cozy. I'm for it. You're fo- I thought you said you're floored, and I was like, oh, it's amazing I mean, I- how cozy it is. Um, anyway, okay, well... Um, today's episode is an all SCOTUS notice episode. That's right. We're talking about the Supreme Court all day. Um, if you listened to last week, you know that we spent time pausing the political debacles to appreciate the life of Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Um, may she rest in peace and power, but now we must focus on what lies ahead and the fight to fill her seat on the Supreme Court is going to be extremely ugly and has a lot of backstory. So I figured, why not talk about it? Um, President Trump is moving very quickly to fill this seat. He has already made a nomination. So today I'm gonna talk about uh, why people are so mad about this and the history of Judge Amy Cohen Barrett's Coney. Amy Coney Barrett. Did I say that? Coney Barrett. Anyway, that's who he nominated. So I'm going to talk about her. And just then some overall what's at stake with a 6-3 conservative majority. And then I will end on something fun. But I, TBD, forgot to plan that part. So we'll end on something fun. Don't worry. It'll be a surprise to everybody. Okay. Um, So let's do it. President Obama nominated Merrick Garland to the Supreme Court after the um, unexpected death of Justice Antonin Scalia. He died on February 13th, 2016, which was an election year. And after like a week or two later, Republican senators were like, no way, we're not filling his seat. We should let the next president decide, which is a very long time for the next president. It was almost a year before um, anyone was confirmed. But this was even before Obama named Merrick Garland. Merrick Garland happens to be somewhat of a moderate judge. And I think Obama thought he was going to be a pretty popular choice. Um, There are Republicans that had praised him in the past. He nominated Merrick Garland on March 16th, 2016. And Republicans actually cited a speech that was given by Joe Biden. They were calling it the the Biden rule. In 1992, Biden gave an argument in the Senate that President Bush should wait until after the election to appoint a replacement if a Supreme Court seat became vacant or should appoint a moderate that the Democratic Senate approves of. So the or should... um, he appoint a moderate is I think very key when thinking about the Merrick Garland debacle, because I think Obama thought he was nominating a moderate, you know? Um, But also this Biden rule doesn't really exist because nothing really happened. And president, I mean, president Biden, vice president Biden recently said like, I 
feel like my position is now that Congress and the president should work together. I'm not saying that they shouldn't fill a seat, but it should be with someone that maybe is a little more even keel. I guess that was the gist of what he said. But anyway, um, what's interesting is that a lot of these senators, including someone I believe is one of the worst human beings in the world, Mitch McConnell, said in 2016, like, no, we definitely think this should be a universal rule. Um, This is what Lindsey Graham said. He said, I want you to use my words against me. If there's a Republican president in 2016 and a vacancy occurs in the last year of the first term, you can say, Lindsey Graham said, let's let the next president, whoever it might be, make that nomination and you could use my words against me and you'd be absolutely right. We're setting a precedent here today. Republicans are that in the last year, at least of a lame duck eight-year term, I would say it's going to be a four-year term that you're not going to, that quote, part of the quote didn't make sense, but you're not going to fill a vacancy on the Supreme Court based on what we're doing here today. That's going to be the new rule. And Mitch McConnell said um, that it was the right thing to do, blah, blah, blah. But then now he's saying, no, no, in the last midterm, it was because there was a Republican Senate that the Americans had elected, not because, you know, it was wrong to fill the seat because it's a Republican president and a Republican Senate. But um, I don't really think that matters. Personally, Ross, I don't know if you feel differently. I don't really think it matters. I don't think it matters who's in the Senate. I think that it matters um, that you follow the freaking precedent. And also we're like days from the election. Well, I mean, I guess not that few of days, but like months. Yeah. I mean, we're close and like this whole process has made it, pretty abundant that the rules are constantly changing depending on what people are in the mood to do. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's just really, I mean, it's just like, geez, what else is going to be blatantly hypocritical to (laughs) how you people claim to act and what you claim to believe in. And I say you people as, a, maybe a rude way to refer to the Republican senators, but I think they're very rude too. Yeah. So even, yeah. Anyway, I just think that, uh, I think that the whole thing is disappointing and not surprising. And I will talk, you know, about what this means long-term, but first I want to focus on the fact that, This whole, like I said before, this whole idea of the Biden rule was something that Joe Biden said that should happen if there's a Supreme Court nomination or a Supreme Court vacancy, which was either wait or appoint someone who's a moderate. So with that, let's talk about Judge Amy Coney Barrett, who's Trump's nominee, which he announced within a week of... um, Justice Ginsburg dying, which Obama waited like a month to interview people and make sure he was sure. Um, Judge Amy Coney Barrett, what, oh no, Barnett, not Barrett. Oh my gosh. Well, no, it's Barrett. I just typed Barnett. Oh my God, guys, everyone take a shot for me messing up. You're gonna, you're gonna have to learn her name because she's gonna be the new Supreme Court justice. Ugh. Um, anyway, she, speaking of Justice Antonin Scalia, which I was earlier, she was a law clerk for him and said that 
because of him, she's an originalist of the constitution and that he had this influence on her life. Um, and so her theory is that judges must apply the law as written and that the constitution's original language should govern how we interpret things. I personally, if you wanted to know, am not an originalist. I'm what's called an adaptivist with the constitution, meaning I believe in what's called a living constitution. The constitution was created back before the founders could anticipate what would happen with technology, with the world, with democracy, with America. And so the idea, as written very eloquently by Chief Justice Brennan back in, I don't know, 70s or 80s, um, is that as 20th century, well now 21st century Americans, we don't know the true meaning of the constitution because we're living in a different time. So you're always interpreting the constitution from its original language, meaning you can try to stick as close to it as you want, and that's calling yourself an originalist. But either way, you're really just choosing how do you want to interpret it. And the idea of like you being so in tune with the founder's original theory is kind of baloney because you didn't live back then. So the idea of adaptivism is that the Constitution should apply and the interpretation should be based on both the text of the Constitution and, you know, a mindfulness for where we are in the world um, and in the country's progression, progress, state of things. I don't know. Um, so what is, what is Bar Barrett's, Barrett's, oh my God, um, Barrett's views on things? Well, um, she is very religious. Um, not that there's anything wrong with that, but it's, clearly impacted, or maybe it hasn't impacted her views, but I think it has. Um, she does not believe that judges should be any sort of policy makers. That's the whole thing with adaptivism is it ends up setting the justices in, in positions to be not quite policy makers, but um, maybe push laws in a little bit of a more progressive direction by upholding them, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, um, this would be the most conservative court since the Lochner era, which um, the Lochner era was back under Justice Lochner, who was um, very conservative. Let's leave it there, where he overturned a bunch of like more liberal, or not liberal, but more progressive rulings that the court had made before. Um, and there's a very good chance kind of moving into our next segment halfway, there's a very big chance that something like rights to abortion, um, things like that could be challenged. And when Barrett was being confirmed in the Senate back in 2017, when she was nominated to the court of appeals, she was asked about abortion laws and she was just kind of like, you know, they're all, they all try to be cautious. She was like, well, I don't expect to overturn Roe because it's 40 years of precedent, but like not expressly overturning it, but making it very hard to access abortion is essentially overturning it. So that's the part that I think is very unsettling. Um, and yeah. And just the idea that like the environment and most pressingly too, um, they're about to hear oral arguments on a case about Obamacare and the constitutionality of that, which is like, how many times is this going to happen? 
Um, so Democrats have quickly been like, you realize in the midst of a pandemic and like global depression, basic, or at least nationwide financial depression, people could lose their freaking healthcare thanks to the Supreme Court, like WTF. Um, and apparently they're saying that confirming this also could be a problem for like later election issues. So with the 2020 election, President Trump has consistently tried to um, seed doubt among the legitimacy of ballots, mail-in ballots, and legitimacy of the just election overall, which is insane. And he thinks that Democrats are trying to rig the election and he wants a Supreme Court that will agree with him. So he's nominating a fifth person because he believes that, um, you know, if it were left to an eight justice Supreme Court, there might be a tie because he thinks Roberts, John Roberts will probably rule against him. I don't know. Um, and that's not for nothing because the Supreme Court did rule on the election in Bush v. Gore, which is a huge case huge decision. It gave Bush the election. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, basically in Bush v. Gore, for a little background, do you know about this, Ross? Not really. I mean, I was really young when it happened, but I have like a very, very general sense. Yeah. So in the 2000 election between uh, George Bush and Al Gore, there was an issue with Florida voting and there, and Gore lost with a small enough margin that he asked for a recount for some of these ballots that had been um, like, I don't know, lost or something like that. Something weird happened with the ballots. And so he challenged it in the Florida Supreme Court and Florida Supreme Court made a rule that basically was like, um, yes, you can challenge this and all the ballots need to be hand counted. And so Bush and Cheney challenged that in federal court because they were like, well, the Florida Supreme Court isn't allowed to say that the ballots have to be hand counted. That's like a law that Congress or the legislature makes. Um, so this scheme that they came up for the recount is unconstitutional. And so they said it violated equal protection due process clauses, or maybe just equal protection, but it was challenged under those grounds. And that's what gave Bush the election. So it's a little bit nerve wracking thinking about the Supreme Court getting involved. Now, here's some hope. Lower courts might get involved. It might not ever make it to the Supreme Court. Whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, I don't know. Um, there's a chance that the justices will, out of fear, like if it's a very clear case that Joe Biden should be the president, there's a very good chance they might abstain from hearing it, or there, I shouldn't say very good chance, who freaking knows, but there is a chance they would abstain from hearing it, or they would vote in favor of Joe Biden to try to keep the court's integrity of being impartial, but that might not be the case, and they are appointed for life, so either way, this is crazy, and President Trump has been like, these ballots are a horror show, blah, blah, blah. Um, Pennsylvania Republicans tried to ask the PA Supreme Court to review a ruling that gave voters three extra days to turn in their ballot because they don't want people voting, which is so insane. Um, so that's kind of what's up now. So with all that said, Ross and I are very passionate about voting, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to post on our website 
um, like a bunch of voter resources so you guys can use them and share them with people. And, um, you know, this feels like a really dark time. There's really no way to sugarcoat it. Was this the year that I thought um, it would be when I started a news podcast? Only a little bit, honestly. I knew it was an election year, so I thought that would be some juicy stuff. Uh, certainly didn't realize what this whole deal would be, but here we are. So we're reporting it like it is, keeping it real. Um, it's all kind of sucks, but hopefully things go better than they seem like they would. I don't know. Upbeat thoughts, positive thinking, everyone vote. Uh, Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, 2020. Ross, anything to add before we wrap this segment up and definitely end on a very fun note? Ah, uh, fart noise. And now for our super upbeat closing segment, I pay tribute to my two friends who by the time this podcast is released will have become married today. It's Sunday, so they're getting married today. And um, they're going to have a like in-person wedding next year. But today, which I'm the maid of honor, no big deal. Uh, not trying to brag, but this is my only shot to be a maid of honor. And you know what I did for being a Zoom maid of honor, Ross? Oh, they're getting married on Zoom. I forgot to say that part. But do you know what I did? What? I made a very dope playlist for them to enjoy. Because they're going to be, like, getting ready together. They live in Utah. And they are going to get married on the side of a mountain with their brother-in-law, her brother-in-law, his brother-in-law, officiating it as like an online minister thing. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and we're all gonna watch on Zoom and then we'll celebrate in a year. But I'm very, very excited. I've been like, I woke up, I was pretty tired, but I like popped out of bed and I was like, oh my God, it's our wedding day. Um, so thanks to you teaching me how to record on Zoom, I'm gonna be recording it from my end to give them extra footage. So that's exciting. and. Um, yeah, I'm just great. It's great. A little more love in the world. Uh, keeping each other and everybody safe by not throwing a wedding. People are still throwing weddings. Isn't that insane? Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much pretty much what's happening. Ross, you doing anything cool today? Watching people get married on Zoom? Yeah, I'm gonna be Zoom bombing your wedding. It's gonna be fun. <laughs> Uh, no, I'm like I might be making s'mores later, but that's really yeah, uh, take that Yom Kippur. Uh, I'm not doing that shit this year because this whole year has felt like a big fast. That's a good point. Yes. Um, question, Ross. What do you say to people? I know for Rosh Hashanah it's Shana Tova, but yeah. what do you say for people on Yom Kippur? Like have uh, a good you, fast. Yeah, you could. I mean, you could still say Shana Tova. Um, Shana Tova. Uh, or, you know, a happy holidays type thing. Um, usually say like, uh, like have an easy fast or something. Have like an that. easy fast. Okay. Yeah. Well, I agree this. I'm not, a Jew, I'm not Jewish, so I don't, I wouldn't be fasting tomorrow anyway, but yes, I would very much agree that this entire year feels like a giant fast and man, am I starving for democracy. <laughs> here, here. Oh. All right. Well, on that note, everybody have a good week. Go to our website for voter resources. Be safe. Wear a mask. Vote for Joe Biden. And um, you know what? We're going to I'll do something upbeat next week. I promise. OK, have a great week, everybody. Bye.
Bye. This has been Keep You Posted. Hosted and executive produced by Hannah Trav. Produced and edited by me, Ross Wiseman. Our art and logo is by Kristen Finger and our music by Graham Trav. For a list of our sources from the episode, bonus content, and to get in touch with us, visit us at www.keepyoupostedpod.com. <laughs>